right, so look, we're about to take a road trip. Everyone loves a good road trip. Everyone loves a good, especially when it's a summer road trip. You love to get in the car, you know, you get some time off work, and, and you can just go explore, see, sightsee. I wonder what your favorite road trip has been in your life. I know back when I was in college, I was voluntold. There's a difference between volunteering and being voluntold when somebody is in authority over you. They're like, hey, uh, I'm going to volunteer you for this, whether you like it or not, right? And so I was chosen to drive from Hagerstown, Maryland to Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, a 33-hour trip. It was me and two other uh, guys, 21 years old, and we were put in this 15-passenger van with a trailer on it, and we were told to drive all the way to Phoenix. So you can imagine three 21-year-old fellas uh, getting in a van, uh, driving 33 hours. It was, uh, to say the least, interesting. Uh, but man, it was so many good stories, memories. We saw St. Louis, Kansas. There's nothing in Kansas, literally <laughs> nothing. Flat ground. I mean, there is nothing there. But I re my favorite part of the whole trip was actually driving in the western part of Texas, where there was absolutely nothing. It was probably midnight, one o'clock, and just being able to look up in the sky and seeing the hundreds and thousands of stars and just feeling like a little nothing, and just being like, God, you are absolutely huge. You are absolutely incredible. Like, that will forever be etched in my mind on this crazy road trip that we went on. There are some things I can't tell you that happened on that trip, right? So it was just a, but it was absolutely crazy. But we love a, a good road trip. What is your favorite road trip story? So this summer, Lifehouse, we're going to be taking a trip. All of us are getting on a big bus, and we are going to take a summer road trip through the Bible, the Bible. Now, some of y'all, you hear that word and you're scared. Like, I don't know nothing about the Bible. I don't even know about the Bible. Like, why, like the, the Bible is this big, complicated book. And, and look, there are so many different ways we could possibly go with this series. And I mean, the Bible is big, it's, it's complicated, but that's why we're going on a road trip. And really, on a, a road trip, you can't hit every destination, right? You're going to hit a couple destinations here, low. Some are going to be interesting. Some you're going to be like, why do we cover that? You're, you're going to be like, I want to know more. But at the same, same time, a road trip hits specific destinations for specific purposes. So on this trip, we're going to all gather on, and, and we're going to go, and we're going to explore the ups, downs, twists, and turns of the Bible. Now, whether you believe in the Bible or, or not, because here's the thing I, I, I know is not everybody in this room here sincerely believes that the Bible is God's word. And hey, if you believe that, get on board with us, right? Because we, we want to let you know you are safe here to explore faith in a safe atmosphere, right? Because look, we know this. It can be hard to follow Jesus. It can be hard to, to just accept the Bible as being God, God's word. But so we want to say, hey, get on board. It's a safe place here. But here's the thing. Whether you believe the Bible is true or not, there are just a few things about the Bible you can't deny that really no one can. First off is this. The Bible is the best-selling, most um, given out red book in the history of the world. Flat out. Like, it's not even close. Okay, like there, there is like barely a second place. There have been either sold or given out five billion Bibles. 
if you go Google it, you know, you can go online, check it out. Most influential books, even secular people, the number one book on their list, if they have any merit to them, if they have any idea about history, influence, and stuff like that, the number one book on their list will be the Bible. So here's the, here's the thing. Whether you believe in the Bible or whether you don't, we can't deny its influence. We can't deny how much it has influenced history, people, the world. And sadly, it's influenced it sometimes in a bad way. You know some people have taken the Bible to do some ridiculously stupid things? They've taken the Bible to actually impose racism. They've used the Bible. Like, I, it's, it's crazy. But whenever the Bible, you know, you know, the printing press, it was developed mid-1500s. Whenever the Bible was actually being printed and, dis, and, and distributed to the common person, the church actually got mad. Why? Because the church then lost control. The, the, the bottom line was the church could actually control people because they were the only ones that actually had a copy of the Bible. Churches actually persecuted and actually killed people who were actually printing the, the Bible. Like, that just seems absolutely insane. Like a church, be like, yo, don't be giving out Bibles. You know, it like kills them. Like what in the world? Like the Bible has been used to do and say and impose some ridiculously stupid things. And what the easiest thing for us to do then is, is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Since people have done and said stupid things in the name of God, and they've almost used the Bible to, to say the, this is okay, people will then dismiss it as it not having any truth no influence, which here's the bottom line. Like, if you apply that logic to any other thing, it just doesn't stand up. And you know, this is what cracks me up. People are like, I'm not going to church no more because people are hypocrites. I'm like, yo, we all hypocrites. Like, every one of us, every one of us is a hypocrite. Like, we say we do things and we don't do them. You can, and I mean, it's just like if you went to, let's say, McDonald's and they treated you bad, right? And their food was bad. Right? You'd be like, I'm never eating at a never rest at another restaurant ever again. No, that, that, that's just not good logic, right? So he, here's what we can't do. We can't say, well, because the Bible was done and was used to impose and do stupid things. Therefore, I'm not going to let it have any influence over, over, over me. But, but you, you've got to say, you've got to, to look at and see the Bible has been the most influential book for years, for thousands of years. The church has seen the Bible as being the inspired word of God that lets us know, gives us a sneak peek of who and what this God that we serve is like, right? So, so look, we could go so many different ways with this series, but we're going to dive in and we are going to say this is God's word. Let's see what it says and let's see what, who, how it shows us who this God that we serve is. Now, now, the bottom line is this, um, is uh, we have a world that is very skeptical of Scripture, right? And Andy Stanley said this. He said this, most people have more questions about the origins, relevance, and authority of the Scriptures. The steady rise of skepticism is creating a cultural atmosphere that is becoming unfriendly, sometimes even hostile to claims of faith. In a, in a society that venerates science and rationalism, it is an increasingly hard pill to swallow that an eclectic assortment of 
of ancient stories, poems, sermon, prophecies, and letters written and compiled over the course of 3,000 years is somehow the sacred word of God. Even in just a few years, Barna, who is a Christian research company, uh, they've been conducting state of the Bible interviews, and the data is trending towards Bible skepticism. With each passing year, the percentage of uh, Americans who believe that the Bible is just another book written by men increases. So too does the perception that the Bible is actually harmful and that people who live by its principles are religious extremists. So out there, the skepticism is absolutely real. But let me be honest with you. I'm not worried even about what people out there think. I am more concerned about what people inside of the church do with the Bible. Because here's the bottom line. Stats tell us this state of the Bible um, data source that they came up with, the Barna Group, is that in the average American household, there's 4.4 Bibles. Four and a half Bibles sit in our homes, but only 19% of Christians regularly read their Bible. So, so that would be four times or more a week, right? The person over this study said, said this. It was... Um, Doug Birdsaw, he said this. He's the president of the American Bible Society. He said this. I see the problem as analogous to obesity in America. We have an awful lot of people who realize they're overweight, but they don't follow a diet, Birdsaw said. People realize the Bible has values that would help us in our spiritual help, but they just don't read it. If they do read it, the majority, 57%, only read their Bibles four times a year or less. Only 26% of Americans said they read their Bible on a regular basis. So here's the deal. Like, we, we need to stop being concerned. Oh, they don't believe the Bible. This world's dying and going to hell. They don't believe the Bible is God's word. I think we need to kind of point, maybe look inward a little bit first and be like, maybe the reason they don't believe is because we don't take it seriously. We need to stop blaming and we need to, to say, God, do we need to look in the actual mirror and be like, is the reason they don't believe God's word is because we're not getting into God's word, reading it, living it, consuming it, and it transforming the way that we live to show them that this word of God that we claim it to be is actually true and real because we're living it out, right? So we have to say, is the problem out there or is the problem in here? And I would go to say this, the problem is more in the church than it is Outside Now, let me tell you this. The goal of this series is not guilt, right? The goal of this series isn't to guilt you. Oh, you're a bad person. You should be reading the Bible more. I can't believe you just don't read the Bible more. You're such a terrible Christian. We will never do anything at LifeHouse that, that tries to get you to do something out of guilt because guilt doesn't change people. Guilt condemns people. Guilt throws people down, kicks them. No, here, here's the bottom line. The goal with this series is to try to inspire you to see that God co-authored, wrote a book through 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years that had a common theme, wrote on three different continents, and came to, together and brought together this book that tells us who God is, what God's like. It shows us who we are, exposes our rebellion, and shows us that how good God is, who Jesus was, and helps us to lead us and guide us in the truth to bring heaven to earth in the way that we live. 
Like that is the goal. That is the heart. It's not to get you, beat you down, but to be like, let's get on this journey. Let's get on this bus. Let's get on this road trip and let's go out and explore this amazing book that God wrote that shows us who he is. Now, I believe this is that we, 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 we got to get over though. Some of us have kind of this preconceived notion of what we think the Bible is. Um, whether how you were raised or whether what church culture, atmosphere, your home life, we can develop these kind of perceptions of Scripture that we, that we have them that we don't even realize we've got them that influence the way we read and the way that we see Scripture. I think some of us, we can actually look at it as being a textbook, right? You're like, and how many of you have been in college and know what you do with college textbooks? You're like, I'm going to get what I need to get, read as less as I can to learn as much as I can. I'm going to get the cliff notes because this book is so far over my head, I'm never going to get every concept. So why am I going to even attempt to try to learn everything in this class? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I only, you know, I only need to know two or three things from this from this class, we can treat the Bible that way. Some of you guys think the Bible is so far over your head, it's just this big textbook. Like, how in the world could I ever understand it? It's just not for me, right? Some of, some of you are there. Some of you, that's the way you view and you see the Bible. Some of you see it as being a big rule book. You just think of the Bible and you're like, it's just a huge, long list of God telling you everything you can't do. You see it as, a.k.a. the Bible means this, no fun. Right? Like you have this, you know, you've only heard, you grew up in a church where it was all about what you can't do. You, if you do this, you're, you, know, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, rather than it being, God says you can do a lot of stuff. He's give, just given specific requirements to, to help us and propel us to be more like him and use things in a God-honoring way instead of in a self-destroying way. This is not a rule book. You know, you know, some of you might see it as being a big boxing glove. Meaning it's, you just read, it's going to beat you up, tell you how bad you are. I mean, it's just, you know, this is a big Bible. I mean, I mean, I mean just like, you just see... I pay him. I can do that to him. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But um, you, just, you just see this, this book here, second, second service, you'll, you'll be ready for it. But you just see it as just being this big boxing glove. It just, it just beats you up. Like the whole point of it is just to make you feel bad. Feel, feel like, a, like a nobody. Just feeling like a, just a big bad sinner that you are. And the Bible is just going to just beat you up. And you're just going to be a punching bag as the Bible just beats the living snot out of you. And some of you are like, why am I going to read a book that's just going to tell me everything, just how bad I am, how terrible I am? It just beat me up. Why would I ever want to read it? Some of you see it as a good luck charm. I'm going to keep, I keep a Bible in my car. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. I'm going to keep God's word in my car. I could care less about reading it, but I tell you what, I know it's got power. I know if I put it in the back of my car, it's going to put a legion of angels around my car. It's going to protect it. Why? Because that Bible is my good luck charm. I know if I put it there, whoo, it's got power. And it stays, and, and, but we can look at this book as kind of, you know, being a four-leaf clover. If I learn just a few of those good verses, then I can say them, you know, oh, I can do all things through Christ. 
Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm an overcomer. You know, and, and it just becomes this kind of like you learn a few scriptures just to make you sound religious and it's a good luck charm. So you just kind of use it as kind of being honestly like it's no different than really spirituality. It's oh, no, karma, right? Just say a few good things, your words. Go with the atmosphere, right? But, but no, this is not a good... Well, well, well some of y'all see it as also being a self-help book. This Bible going to help me be the best I can be. The whole purpose of God is to help him or is for him to glorify me. That's the whole purpose of God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to be the best me. There, there's a snowflake inside of me. I'm a good person. I just got to get all the negative vibes away from me, you know, and, and it's like we could just treat the Bible as, as this like the whole purpose of God's word is to help us become the best us and really that God exists to glorify us instead of us existing to glorify God. We've got to confront these preconceived notions because we all have them about God's word and, and really if our preconceived notion goes really against the purpose of scripture, we got to say, God, help me to see this book from your lens. Help me to see this book. And really, this is what the Bible, scriptures in the Bible say about the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This right here is one of my favorites. It says this. It says, every part of scripture, that means every part of this book here is, excuse me, is God-breathed. Meaning, meaning this, inspired. It is inspired by God and is useful one way or another. Showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. This right here is scripture talking about itself. It says every part. Now, I don't know about you. I've gone through the Bible a lot, and there's just some parts that I'm like, I don't know how this is helpful. You ever been there? Genealogies. Bruh. You're reading Hesop and Pesop and Desod and Helamagaya and all these names, and you're just like, Lord Jesus, why in the world is a genealogy important? Like, why do I need to know this? Like, what in the world is going on? And we can so easily look at it and be like, why would that be helpful? But really, un, 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 until, you know, sometimes with, with the Bible, we get, we, we want it to be like an app. Just download it. And one of the hazards of being in this everything is microwaved culture is that we will skip over things in God's word because we don't do the work of digging. We don't do the work of actually saying, God's got something to say here. All scripture is useful. Let me actually not just, oh, oh you know, there, there's nothing in there. It doesn't, like, why don't we actually do some work? Get our hands dirty and be like, God, what do you want? It's like, whenever you look at Jesus' genealogy, Matthew, you know, you know, Matthew starts his gospel, his account of Jesus' life, and he starts off with his genealogy. And just, if you don't know anything and you're like why do we need to know this Matthew like whenever you're writing your account why are you starting with all these names if you look in those names you will see in Jesus's family tree there were some psychos 
Like there was prostitutes in in Jesus' genealogy. Like, do you know what that tells me? It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter matter your, your family background. Something good can come out of whatever your past has been. And I mean, what if, you know, but that, that takes work to actually dig in and be like, let me see who some of these people are. Rahab, yeah, it's, you go back into the Old Testament. Rahab, she was a prostitute that God used to help lead God's people into the promised land. You can see if God can use her, God can use me. How, how about this scripture? You know, we think, oh man, this is like Jesus wept. You just learned your Bible verse for the day. If you didn't know a Bible verse, I don't care who you are, and you say Jesus wept, you have learned John 11 something. I don't know if off the top of my head, but it's John chapter 11. And you can be like, okay, Jesus wept. What's the whole point? Do you know what? The context there is that Jesus had one of his good friends die. And Jesus, he was 100% God, yet 100% man. Jesus here has that feeling. like He, he knows what it's like to lose someone he deeply loves and cares for. Some of y'all think, oh, Jesus will never know what it feels like to be like me. I've, I've lost this and, and I've lost that. Dude, Jesus knows what it's feel like. He lost one of his best friends. Jesus wept is loaded and packed with so much good stuff. But really, unless you dig in and see, it won't apply to you because you'll be so fast to, to, to just skip over it and, and, and miss what God wants to show you in his word. So we, we've got to make sure that we understand in, in this book, it's not going to, like, we just want it to be easy. Like, in this culture, a hazard in the church, it's a big hazard. We want things to just come so easy to us. But that is not real life, y'all. What, what actually matters is probably going to take time and a lot of investment and a lot of hard work. Marriage, for example. My wife and I, we were talking about this the other day. We, 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 you know, we were like, we are at this point where we have to start being intentional. Like, intentional about our relationship. Why? Because it's almost like gravity can just, like, pull you apart so fast. Like, we, we got a lot of good stuff. Kids, three of them, two, four, seven, boys, crazy household. A lot of stuff going on. We got church. It's all good, man. We got a lot of people. God's doing great, great things. But if my wife and I, if we're not intentional saying we're going to guard specific times, we're going to be intentional. We're not going to be what? Reactive. We're going to be proactive in this relationship. If we are not like that, we can easily just, just gravity will just take us apart so easy. And this is the way it is with God's word. Like we need to say, how can I not just be reactive? Well, something bad might happen. Let me, let me get my Bible. Oh, man, I'm hitting a hard time. I'm going to go to church. Instead of being reactive, we are proactive saying, no, I'm not going to wait for a storm to come for me to seek God. I'm going to seek him while it's good. I'm going to seek him while it's great. I'm going to seek him even even if there's nothing bad going on. Why? Because you're being proactive saying, God, I just don't want something from you. I want to actually know you. Because how many know you got, you know, parents, if you have kids and they're only coming to you when they want something? You're going to know me. <laughs> yeah, I know you're hungry. We're going to go Chick-fil-A, and you're going to talk to me. You know, it's, it's like, but it's like, here's the, here's the thing that, that we need to guard. We got to understand that as we take in this trip, as we go on this, this, this trip, as, as you're challenged to, to get into your Bible, 
don't please don't give into the cultural lie that, that if, it's, if it's hard for you to really understand that there's nothing there, that maybe it's on your end. Maybe you need to dig a little bit more. It's not going to be easy. Hebrews 4, 12, 13 tells us, tells us, tells us this also. Oh, here we go. It wasn't there, so I wasn't sure if it was here. It says, God means what he says. What he says goes. His power, his powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. That is, I mean, that is what God's word is supposed to do. It's supposed to cut through the crap. Sorry, I said crap. Probably shouldn't have said that. You can take that off of the podcast, okay? No, but, but it, 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 it cuts through all of, of the kind of outer layers that we try to throw up that would tell us it's not real, it's not true. And really, the, the, the bottom line is this. What I've seen, I've been following Jesus now in ministry for 12 years, and what I've seen is one of the main reasons why people are maybe opposed to reading the Bible or getting into the Bible, studying it, or even following what it says is because they have a moral difference with what the Bible says. The Bible wants me to do something that I don't necessarily agree with. The Bible says this is a sin. The Bible says that this happened. So people, they kind of develop this whole defense mechanism, and they say, well, I don't agree with that, therefore, the whole thing must just, 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 just be wrong. The Bible can never over, the, the Bible can, can never trump my feelings, right? People so many times put the Bible below their feelings, and really the bottom line is this. The Bible in your life, especially as, as a follower of Christ, whenever you follow Jesus, the bottom line is this. You say, God, I want to now see things from your viewpoint, from your lens, what your original created intended order was. So now I need you to help me rethink everything from your viewpoint. And what has God given us to help rethink everything from that viewpoint? He's given us his word. And really what I've seen is this. As a follower of Christ, the word will either be over you or it'll be under you meaning you're going to be ruling it or it's going to be ruling you. And we all have to make that, that, we all have to make that decision. Is the Bible going to be authoritative for your life? Is it going to be something that you're going to say, I'm going to approach the Bible with a, God, I need to know what you're saying, or you're going to say, hey, Bible, let me tell you what I think. Right? We all do it, and, and we, we've got to come to this point where we have to say, is this book truly, sincerely, in my view, the inspired word of God that challenges me and tells me who God is, what God like, what he requires, how there can, can be a new relationship between God and man, or is it just a book written by men that gives me some good advice, right? We've got to make that choice. We've got to make that decision. So whether, no matter where you're at in this spectrum, I want you to get on the bus and join us as we go on this journey. 
But as you go on this journey, I want to give you a, a couple points, a couple things just to maybe help you. First off, the Bible needs to be engaged. You got to engage it. What does that mean? That, that means this, like, start reading it. Now, I would say, please, for the love of God, don't start in Genesis. <laughs> Unless you are, like, an amazing human being, and you like reading, like, like you, you like reading, and... Like, you like reading some things. Like, if, if you don't have any background on the Bible, you don't have any whatever, and you start reading Genesis, it could be an interesting ride for you. That person did what with who? That per like, it is like the Jerry Springer show. I mean, it is like, this person slept with this person, this person slept with that person, like this, that, what? what? They would say, like, we're required to do what in this law and what in, in that law? But here's the thing. Whenever you do that and you don't have the proper context, Context is everything. Context is king. Then you will just view it and read it out of context, and you'll be like, what in the world is going on here? This book is insane. I'm throwing it out. So that's what I would tell you not to do, okay? So I would say engage it, but start with this. Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels are simply this. Accounts, firsthand account, biographies of Jesus' life written from four different viewpoints. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And check those out. Read them because really the, the bottom line is the center of the whole Bible is Jesus. The, the Old Testament prophesies of him. The New Testament testifies about him. Jesus is the center. So, so dude, start there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Also, a great book is James. The book of James. I mean, it is filled with practical wisdom. Proverbs is also uh, another great book. But here's the bottom line. If you don't have a Bible, we've got like a hundred of them. We'll give you one free on your phone. You can actually download YouVersion Bible app, and you can actually read it on your phone. It's got plans there. Like, we just want to challenge you. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian for, because this is what I know. Christians, we can get in this kind of like rut of just being like all nice, like I sort of know God's, God's word. And what we end up doing is we lose the hunger for it. We lose the hunger for God's word. Why? Because we get, I don't know, it's so easy for us just to kind of get comfortable and get, and get lackadaisical. Yeah, I've read the Bible. I've read this. I've read that. I got a good, uh, a good grasp of it. And if, you've, and if that's where you are today, my prayer for you is that you would regain a holy awe and a holy hunger for God's word yet again. Because let me tell you this, you, there, there's some of you here, you've read the Bible multiple times, you have read, read scripture, but you need to go back and read it again because there's something else that God wants to show you in his word that is waiting for you in that book. You need to go back and read it again. Go back and read the gospels again. Go back and read Romans again. And some of you here, you just need to start. Just, just start. One chapter a day. Just engage it. Like, just, just start. And we will help you any way we can. And let me tell you this. There's no judgment here. Like, there is no, like, if you come and you're like, yo, John, or go to a small group and you're like, yo, I don't know what I'm reading. There's, there's no judgment. We're not going to be like, oh, F, you fail. Get out of the church. No, like, just 
start. Just start. Secondly, though, wrestle with it. Like, you know, it's, it's okay for you to disagree. <gasps> oh, my God. But it's God's word. Yeah, it is. I believe that. But at the same time, do you know what God has given you? Choice. You got the freedom of choice. You got the freedom to choose. So you can, you can choose, but at the same time, I encourage you to wrestle with it. And wrestling, you know what wrestling entails? A lot of contact. Sometimes people get hurt. Sometimes there's a battered eye, a bruised rib. But at the, but at the same, same time, don't just engage it, wrestle with it. Like, do some work. Like, actually, like we live in the age of technology. Like, we live in the age, like, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, we have so much Bible that, like, it, it almost spoils. Like, if you go to any communist country that doesn't have the Bible, any, any part of the Bible they can get their hands on, and they will consume it. Why? Because they don't have 4.4 Bibles at their house. We have so much Bible knowledge, Bibles around that it's so easy for it to become like spoiled food because we've got so much of it. It's so true, y'all. And what can happen in the midst of all of the noise, in the, in the midst of all of these different voices, all of these different things that call out to us daily, 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 we can miss the best voice because we're listening to all these good voices. And we cannot say that God is not speaking to us if we have a closed Bible. Some of y'all are here and you're desperate to hear the, a, a word from God. Like you're desperate for joy. You're desperate for, you are fighting depression. Like you're fighting anxiety. Like you are fighting hopelessness. You, and, and, and it's like you literally feel defenseless. Like you've just got these things it's in your brain. It's like you can't get out. And you're just like, how am I going to fight these things that are just coming against my brain? How, how, am, how am I going to fight this? And let me tell you this, Jesus has been there. You can go in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 4, it talks about Jesus being tempted by Satan. And Jesus is being tempted by Satan, and the devil is, is trying to talk him in, do certain things. And do you know what Jesus uses whenever he was tempted, whenever he was tempted to, to get him off, off track? He said, it is written. In other words, he used the scripture. He, he, did, he did not say, hey, Oprah said, Dr. Phil told me. He didn't say a great spiritual leader. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Some of you are desperate to get out of the place you are right now. And I sincerely believe these voices, these, what, what's, your, what's your fighting? If you had God's word in your heart and in your mind that you could take it and use it to battle those thoughts and those feelings and that anxiety and worry and doubt that you feel. And, and really, you, you know, scripture says, Hebrews chapter, or no, Ephesians chapter six, it talks about the full armor of God and the, the, the it's called the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Why? Because it's offensive. The sword is super, super offensive. And so some of you need to get the word of God in you so you can fight this battle that you're dealing on the inside of your mind and in your heart and in your home. 
Like you need the hope of God's word. You need the joy of God's word. You, you need the, the fulfillment of God's word. But it's not going to come with, an, with a closed Bible. So look, we want to challenge you. Engage it. Wrestle with it. But here's an, another big key. Get in community with it. I can't tell you how many times when I was young in the faith, I thought something about the Bible that was not true at all. And they were like, no, 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 that, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong way, brother. You're not seeing that, that right. So what getting, what getting in community does is it helps you to be like, you got people that can help you. And that's why we have got groups starting this week. If you are not in a, in a life group for the love of the Lord and all that's holy, I want to challenge you, get in a life group. Be proactive. Don't be reactive. Get proactive and get in community. Get to know other people around a certain hobby, but also they study the Bible together and you can ask questions and you can get feedback and you can do this thing in community. Because here's the thing, we know following Jesus can be complicated. We know trying to get into the Bible can be really, really hard. But at the same time, if, if you do, I guarantee what you sow, you will reap. And I believe some of you here are desperate to hear God's word. You're desperate for God to show himself. But I believe sincerely, if we have a closed Bible, it's hard to hear God speak. So I don't know where you're at today, but I want to ask you and challenge you, if you would, to jump on this train that we're going on this coming summer. And let's take a road trip through the Bible. And no, no matter how skeptical you are, no matter how seasoned you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter if you're a biblical scholar, let's get on this train. Why? Because everyone on this trip is going to see and learn something different. No matter who you are, where you're at, whether you have faith or whether you don't, it's all good. We want you to get on board and let's grow together. Amen? Amen. I want to challenge you to engage it. I want to challenge you to wrestle with it. I want to challenge you to get in community with it. You can sign up life groups today, Next Steps booth right after service. You can go on, online, lifehousenn.com, U-card. You, you can fill that out. Check, I want to join a life group. Be proactive. Get in community. And I'm telling you, as you do, you will see your faith grow. Why? Scripture tells us this. The faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let's pray, church. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and grace. God, I pray for each person here. God, I know, I know each person's different. Each one has a different journey of faith. They have different mindsets about what the Bible is and how helpful it is and if it's for them. But God, I just, I just pray no matter where they're at on their journey, no matter where they view the Bible, as it being over them or as it being under them, I pray that God, they would get on the bus, jump on this journey and let's walk through the Bible together. So God, we need you as we study your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. God, give us hearts to understand who you are and what you want to say to us. Really, really, really quickly before we close out, you know, really, if you would say the message of the Bible, if, if I was going to give it one word, I would say the Bible's message from front to back is this word love. God loves you. God loves you. I believe the Bible is God's love letter to you. He says from the beginning of time, he's been chasing man, letting, wanting them to know how much he loves them, he cares for them, and how much he wants to have a relationship with them. And maybe you are here 
today. And before you jump on board with this journey of studying the Bible, you need to become a follower of Christ. You need to submit to God and you say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to give my heart to you just really quick with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor John, before we go on this trip of following the scripture, I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to recommit my life to him possibly. And I I want to say, I want to love and serve the one that wrote this book before I start to follow and dig in and get in this book. If that is you today, what I'm going to ask, ask you to simply do on the count of three is I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand just so I can know who you are, so I can pray for you. I promise I'm not going to bring you up. We're not going to embarrass you. We, we just want to know who you are so, so we can actually pray for you. You say, John, I want to give my life to Christ today. On the count of three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Stand up, Lifehouse family. We're going to pray with those who raise their hands today. If everyone could, whether, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't pray this after me, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you lived and died in my place and for my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. I'm so grateful and thankful that when I was dead in sin, you made me alive with Christ. I give my life to you. I will follow you. Help me in this journey of studying scripture. Help me on this journey. I love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Lifehouse fam, can we just give it up really quick for all those that made a decision today to follow Christ? Look, if you did, if, if you made a decision to follow Christ today for the first time, we want to say welcome to the family. What, what if, if you could do something quickly for us, Right now, right after service, whatever, whenever you came in, you should have gotten a U card. If you would just take that and fill it out, we're gonna take the offering up here in a few seconds. If you would just fill that card out briefly and turn that card into us, we, we wanna simply follow up with you and help you on this journey of following Christ. We wanna give you a free Bible. We just wanna help you in this journey of following Christ. Lifehouse family, we're gonna go back in singing and look, whatever you need to do with God, whatever business you need to do, with God. We're going to take a few moments here and we're just going to sing and worship and look, whether it's God, I want to, I need to hear your word. I, I need a fresh and new, I need a fresh perspective, a fresh heart check. Whatever you need to do with God, do it, get in, gaze, and man, let's go on this journey together of experiencing life change through Christ, through God's word.